This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, procrastination may be deeper than you think. Find out what you're really avoiding. Procrastination really is an emotion-focused coping strategy. It's not a time management problem. It's an emotion management problem. The psychology of procrastination when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Reed Pence, the producer and host of Radio Health Journal. If you like listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics, from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. This is a trait to do with how open-minded you are. Um, We seem to find that's quite a prominent trait, actually, to determine the types of emoji people use. How do the emojis you use reflect who you are? Then it's cost six people their lives and it's cost many others their fortunes and their sanity. An innocent hobby turned into deadly obsession next week. On your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Radio Health Journal and Viewpoints on your favorite radio station. And subscribe and listen anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. We've all done it. We've all put off sending an important email or doing laundry until the bin's overflowing. Procrastination is common. But what is it exactly? Delay is part of our lives. But there's other forms of delay that aren't purposeful or planful and don't benefit us. But in fact, they are self-defeating forms of delay. And the biggest one is procrastination. And we define it in psychology as the voluntary delay of an intended act despite expecting we're going to be worse off for that delay. And that's really important to put all those together because some people like to say that procrastination has an upside or define concepts like active procrastination. And we'd say, no, from all the research we've seen over the last few decades, procrastination is always related to negative things. That's Tim Pitchell, Associate Professor of Psychology at Carleton University in Ottawa, Ontario. He spent the last 25 years researching procrastination and says that it goes much deeper than simply putting off a task. Procrastination really is an emotion-focused coping strategy. It's not a time management problem. It's an emotion management problem. So I'm facing a task that I find aversive somehow. And aversive can mean uh, I'm bored or I'm frustrated or I resent what I have to do or I'm feeling anxiety or I'm uncertain. You pick your favorite negative emotion. So you have this negative emotion associated with a task and in order to get rid of that negative emotion, you realize, gee, if I just get rid of the task, there goes the emotion. And so in the short term, procrastination is very highly reinforcing. It's a negative reinforcer. We get rid of a negative stimulus, in this case, some negative emotions. But of course, the problem with it is that The task doesn't typically go away, and then we build up more stress and problems like that. So it is all about emotion regulation, and once we realize that, we're well on the way to dealing with it. There's one underlying emotion in particular that's usually the driving force of procrastination, according to Christine Lee, a clinical psychologist and procrastination coach in New York City. The big evil issue, I think, is fear. And I think that might come as no surprise to you or your listeners. Fear can be really a very personal foe. 
where we can be afraid of something that is a no-brainer and not daunting to someone else, but we can have our own private fears and layers of fears, fears of uncertainty, fears of judgment from other people, fears of failure, sometimes fears of success. And sometimes we're afraid of just the next thing that is on the horizon. And therefore, we tend to side with our fear and our procrastination and stay still. For example, many of us have made plans to hit the gym more often. And then over time, we just don't go. Why does that happen? What is it about procrastination that makes us lose sight of our goals? You get to the point in the day when you're supposed to exercise and I don't feel like it. I don't want to. So you make this noble intention for tomorrow and your immediate reaction, you feel pretty good about that now. I didn't feel like exercising. I'm not exercising, but I still have my intention for tomorrow. Ironically, but predictably, what we predict we're going to feel tomorrow is based on how we feel today. This is the work of Gilbert at Harvard University about affective forecasting, predicting how we're going to feel tomorrow. So right now I'm procrastinating on my exercise, but I still think I'm going to feel like exercising tomorrow because I feel pretty good now. And tomorrow comes and of course I don't feel like exercising any more than that. Now putting it off again, I'm starting to see this pattern in my own behavior and we start that downward spiral. And so stress starts to build as well. So that awareness of one's procrastination affects one's self-concept, self-confidence, self-efficacy, and we start going down that rabbit hole. This downward spiral can happen to anyone, but it's more common for people with a heightened sensitivity to negative emotions. For them, it can turn into chronic procrastination. My own definition of chronic procrastination is when the procrastination itself becomes the bigger problem. We start procrastinating because we just want a little break or we feel that the paper or project are just too daunting for us to deal with in the present moment. But when we start making it a longer term habit and we start relying on it as the go-to behavior and it starts causing secondary consequences, like we start having to lie or to make ourselves look not so accomplished in the workplace or when we have to start making excuses for our behavior or lack of behavior, then I feel you're looking at a chronic condition where the person doesn't really know how to escape the pattern or the habit. And then they're looking worse and worse to other people and to themselves as well. So the self-esteem also takes a hit when people start to use procrastination chronically. Lee used to be a procrastinator herself. She says that from her own experience, being a chronic procrastinator is something like never going to bed peacefully because you know you have things to do, but you can't quite do them. It's exhausting and can create even more emotional burdens. Guilt is just like the procrastination thermometer. And in fact, in early social psychological researcher by Festinger and many others, they use guilt as sort of a cognitive dissonance thermometer as well. In other words, you feel a dissonance between your attitudes and your behavior. In this case, it's a dissonance between your intentions and your behavior. So if you're starting to feel guilt, that is the awareness that you're not doing what you said you were going to do, and you feel some culpability for it. And it's not just guilt that some people may feel after procrastinating. Maybe did what you could, but you did it at deadline or after the deadline, and you did it with a feeling of anxiety in your heart. And I feel like that ends up being very costly to the procrastinator's emotional life. Our self-esteem 
tends to go down when we're procrastinating. And I feel like when we're knee deep in procrastination, we also have the tendency to isolate ourselves because of that shame, because of that embarrassment, because of that overwhelm. And I feel that isolation is just no fun. But if you are a procrastinator, you aren't doomed to a downward spiral forever. Lee has developed her own system to help her take tasks head on. There's the SMAC technique that they can remember. Simplicity, mindfulness, anxiety reduction, communication, and kindness to self can get you there. And you don't have to do all at once. You can just start with one area, and I think you'll be feeling better shortly. And to combat his procrastination, Pitchell focuses on mindfulness. I gently move my attention over to the next action. And when my focus is on action, I'm no longer focused on emotions and I don't need to try to cope with them. And of course, what happens then is there's an upward spiral. In contrast to the downward spiral we talked about, now I have this upward spiral that social psychologists have demonstrated that when we make a little progress on a goal, it fuels our motivation and our well-being. Pitchell says it's important to forgive yourself for procrastinating. Then you can move forward with compassion. We all have daunting tasks in our everyday routines, and we're all capable of facing them. Our writer-producer this week is Reagan Houston. Our studio producer is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns in just a moment. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please call this toll-free number right now. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. By calling your addiction team, you're taking the first steps to recovery. Don't fight addiction alone. Their advisors are ready to take your call. Your future is still a bright place. The help you need could be one call away. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. This call is completely confidential. And if you have private insurance, there could be little to no cost to you. Even if you've already been to treatment, give us a call. There's no need to let addiction ruin your life. Take the first step now. Call your addiction team at 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. Make the free call now. 800-279-0419. Your addiction team is a third-party advertiser for various treatment centers and placement networks. Individual results will vary. Visit youraddictionteam.com slash terms for more information. Paid not attorney spokesperson Fierce Nakawati with Principal Office in Dallas, Texas. Attention landscapers and anyone working in the landscape industry. This is an important alert for users of the Weed Killer Roundup that have been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. A California jury recently awarded $289 million to a landscaper who claimed Roundup gave him cancer. Roundup is the most widely used herbicide in the United States with billions of pounds applied each year. Farm workers and landscapers are at the highest risk of injury from exposure. Time is limited to file a claim. If you work with Roundup Weed Killer and were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, don't wait. Call the Roundup up legal helpline now. The number to dial is 800-208-0501. That number again is 800-208-0501. You could be entitled to significant compensation. If you've been exposed to Roundup and have been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, don't wait. Call the Roundup legal helpline right now. 800-208-0501. That's 800-208-0501. Again, 800-208-0501. Call now. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-835-1478. 
Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free, and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-835-1478. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-835-1478. That's 1-800-835-1478. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please support our show by subscribing, sharing it with a friend, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and RadioHealthJournal.net. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. And then all of a sudden, the diagnosis of advanced stage liver disease is made in cirrhosis and they're shocked, and they're looking at such treatments as liver transplantation. Fatty liver disease, a sneaky disorder that may affect a quarter of the population. Then, one side effect of cancer treatment most patients don't think about in advance. At least 60% of people with cancer treatment end up with a sexual problem. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.